Welcome into Think Deeper Podcast, uh, presented by Focus Press. I'm one of your hosts, Jack Wilkie, of course, joined by Joe Wilkie and Will Harib. Before we get started today, I don't have anything to advertise, anything to, to tell you about. I just want to recap a little bit. Uh, we, we spoke about alcohol last week. We spoke about boycotting last or the week before. We spoke about uh, substances with the alcohol last week. I wrote an article We've made a lot of friends along the way. We've had some people very mad at us. We've had a lot of respectful dialogue with people who disagree with us, which is what we hope for when you disagree with us, is is that that would happen. And we've had positive reinforcement of people who agreed with us and were thankful we, we said things the way that we did. When we recorded the episode, I knew it was a controversial issue on alcohol and substances. And there's things looking back, I think I, I disagree with things that were said in the moment. You can go back and listen. And things I think I would say differently. Overall, I think we would agree that we'd hold to the point the way that we did, but when it went up and a friend messaged me, oh, wow, you guys are taking that on, and it hit me what we had discussed, I thought, man, why why were we so open with our takes? Why did we say some of the things we did? And, man, maybe, maybe we should have toned that down a little bit. No, we shouldn't have. We're going to do things as best as we know how. Our job is to present the text as faithfully as we can. And that's one of the things I hope people appreciate about this podcast there are a lot of ways in which a, a Christian publishing company, Christian outlet, can become a caricature where you know what they're going to say about everything. We don't want to be that, and we want to be people who are doing our best to get the text right as it is. That does not mean we're going to get it right every time. That does not mean we're even going to agree with each other all the time. You've, you've heard that if you're a, a longtime deep thinker, that sometimes we don't agree with each other. That's okay, and as I said last week, I really hope that there's there's a lot of people that that like us and think we're great and all that that I, I hope that when the first disagreement drops that you don't go oh wow they're terrible I'm moving on it's well I think they got that one wrong but on the whole I think they're doing a good work I hope that is the perception that's out there but as I was saying I'm proud of the fact that we don't hide from the takes we don't give you a canned scripted thing that is exactly what you'd expect and, and towing the line of what's expected of us again we, you should not be able to put somebody's theology into a box and say, well, you're this kind of person, and I know everything you believe about everything because I know one thing about you. The Bible is open to interpretation on things. The Bible takes some t- study, some, some difficulty on that. And so in the writing we do, in the podcasting we do, in all of that, our duty is not to conform to an opinion. Our duty is not to, to do anything except try and be faithful to what we believe God says. If we can be shown otherwise, we'll change, you know, we'll, we'll change course. We've, we've had things sent to us. I think our argumentation still holds up well. We all should try and be open-minded because we're all working towards something together here, and I, I hope that is the feel that everyone has from this. I hope that you might be able to appreciate that we are not going to give you a canned scripted answer. We're going to think through it. We're going to think deeper. That is what we're here for. That's why we named it that, is so that uh, we can have discussions you might not have elsewhere. Sometimes we get to thinking out loud a little bit, can, you know, speculating without putting the time into research, maybe a little bit off the top of our head, and that gets us in some trouble, maybe some things that we, we wouldn't say the same way again. That's going to happen when you talk as much as we do, and we, we regret those parts of it. But in general... We hope you're along with the ride for us. We hope that that makes sense, that that we're not trying to conform or fit to any box other than what the text says, and we're going to try and go where that leads. And so I wanted to get ahead of that. I wanted to get ahead of one other thing. There was an accusation and followed up by other people who agreed that, man, Focus Press does everything they do for the views. They're just clout chasing. They're just trying to, to get a big name for themselves off of saying controversial things. Saying uh, some of the things that, that, that we've said 
has gotten us uninvited from speaking engagements at, at times. It has gotten, has lost us friends. It has made it to where when you espouse a certain idea, there are things that you, you will never be invited to. There are people who automatically don't like you. All the, the uh, you know, flack we got over last week, if we were clout chasing, we're just not very good at it. I mean, we're, we're the... the I'm sorry, you know, if we're just doing this for views, we're not very good at it. We're, you know, there there are people who get mad and walk away. And so if we were doing it for views, we would tell you exactly what you want to hear. We would, and that's not what we're going to do. And so that's what I wanted to say off the top, not as a way of patting ourselves on the back, but as saying we're just trying to be faithful to the text, trying to be faithful to the word. That is our biggest concern. And, and we hope you're along with the ride for us. And so before we get into today's episode, I, I want to get that off my chest, um, you can say a lot of things about me. Don't say that we're saying things we don't actually believe for the views. That's not something we will ever do. We are going to tell you how we best see the text uh, fits the interpretation. Do you guys have anything on top of that before? I, I know I kind of went long on the monologue there. I just wanted to get that out there. Uh, anything to add before we jump into the episode? I thought I thought that was very well said. Uh, the one thing that I'll just briefly add is something that I put... Um in response to some things on Facebook as well, we're passionate about the church. We're passionate about the things that we believe about the church. We're passionate about the things that we see as not going well with the church. And I think that's something that we that gets pointed out about us a lot is that, you know, well, you guys are always negative or you're pointing out what the church is doing wrong and that's that's counterproductive or whatever to the church. We're passionate and want to see change. That's all it is. It's not trying to be harsh. It's not trying to pick on people. It's not trying to go around make enemies or clout chase or, or anything like that. We're passionate about the things that we see from God's word, the things that we know that we as families can do better. And so we talk about those things. And I don't think it's I don't think it would be responsible of us to go the route that a lot of people want us to go, which is just talk about how great everything is all the time. When quite frankly, it's not great. I mean, you look at the statistics, you look at everything we've talked about. Churches are shrinking. Young people are leaving. For us to get, a, if if we had a, a a weekly podcast on how great the church is doing X, Y, and Z, and how great everything is, and the skies is just nothing but rainbows and blue skies. First of all, nobody would listen. But second of all, it's not true. This is this is a really big deal. The the problems that the church is facing, we feel like they need to be addressed, and so and we're passionate about it. So that's all I wanted to say is that like like Jack said. <laughs> The accusations of, of clout chasing or doing it for clicks or views are just ridiculous, but we are passionate. We hope that our listeners share that passion because these are things that we need to address. We've got so many broken, worldly families. It's time to start examining things and determine what's gotten us to this point. So that's all we want to do. That's all I had to add. Yeah, all I'd add is it's okay if you disagree with us. Hey, come talk to us. We're people. You see our Facebook profiles. Feel free to, to message us. If you have a problem, that's okay. We know that we're going to disagree and we're going to you know, say some things. Look, I have hot takes with Joe. I realize it's pretty controversial in some situations. I get that not everybody's going to agree. That's okay. That's okay. Um, we'll still fellowship with one another. I hope you'll still fellowship me and us. But yeah, I, it's okay that we disagree. I think the brotherhood needs a little more uh, ability to just hash, hash out some of these discussions and go from there. So that's all I would add to it. Well said. Oh, yeah, Will, Will's leading the way, so go ahead. Yeah, so today is June 19th. Juneteenth um, became a federal holiday last year. And so with today being Juneteenth, um, we thought it was it would be appropriate to address um, kind of some things surrounding racism, um, surrounding uh, should a Christian celebrate Juneteenth. Um, we did a, a critical race theory episode 
Um, it was last year. Um, I don't remember when it was. I want to say summertime, maybe. Could be wrong, but it was it was last year. Um, and we talked about just all the problems associated with that um, perspective, that viewpoint, that that theory, the the what is being taught in schools, what our young people are really being indoctrinated with um, through schools and through social media. And so I'd encourage you, if you haven't listened to that, go back and listen. Um, we wanted to look at it, I guess, more so from a broader perspective with this episode, because for the obviously for the CRT episode, we we really drilled down on the tenets of critical race theory and all the the biblical problems with it. And so again, we want to take a bit of a broader sense with this particular episode. Um, again, centered around Juneteenth, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that. And really, the two questions we're going to be addressing, um, and I'm sure we'll find some more here along the way, but um, really, how should a Christian view the concept of race? And I'm going to go ahead and preview kind of the the sides here, and then we're going to save that for a little bit later of a discussion. But just to kind of get your, your, your gears turning on what we're going to be going for here, you, I'm sure a lot of people have heard the Morgan Freeman quote when he was asked about race and Black History Month. And Morgan Freeman said, well, the solution is to just stop talking about it. Just don't acknowledge it. And a lot of people hold that viewpoint. Like, hey, quit bringing it up. Don't even talk about it. And to be honest, I think there's a lot of merit with that. But there's also an opposing viewpoint that says, no, we are different. We shouldn't hide behind those differences. We should celebrate those differences and not be afraid to talk about the differences. Just the same thing as not blending a man and a woman together, celebrating the differences and talking about the differences. There is a side that would say we should do the exact same thing when it comes to race. Don't bury it and act like it doesn't exist, but celebrate the differences and then highlight the differences and not be afraid of those things. So we're going to get to that discussion a little bit later, but I did want to get you as the audience, again, kind of your gears turning as far as where we're going to be heading with that, maybe what you think heading into this discussion about that. How should a Christian view the concept of race? Um, But let's start with the kind of the Juneteenth question here, because this has really been something that has been on the forefront just for the last couple of years um, I was telling them before I got on, I was talking to some people who didn't even know that it was a federal holiday, um, because it is so, so new. Um, I, I've been talking for a minute. I don't know if one of you guys wants to get into kind of the history of Juneteenth. Um, obviously it was made a president Biden made it a federal holiday last year. Um, but it's one of those things that the history goes way back. And the, 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 the reason for the history, why we want to get into the history of it is because it, it ties into this discussion of, should we be celebrating it? Is this something that, that we as Christians have a legitimate claim to that we should celebrate it? Can a Christian not celebrate it? A lot of questions going into this. So uh, Joe or Jack, either one of y'all, I'll hand it to you to kind of get into the history and then how that plays into where we are today. Yeah, so President Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation in 1863, kind of ending slavery, but you know, there's there's a lot going on there. I mean, half the nation was still claiming to not be under his authority at that point. And so uh, there were, there's a lot going on around that. And so Juneteenth was two years later, June 19th, 1865, when the Union troops uh, arrived in Galveston Bay, Texas, with news of freedom. I mean, obviously they couldn't, there's no internet, you didn't get the, the Twitter update of, all right, we're, we're free now, there's no phone call. And so the war had to conclude, and then it had to be, the, mess, the news had to be marched to them of, you're not slaves anymore, you've been freed uh, this, this decree has come down. And, and so it became known as Juneteenth or Freedom Day, June 19th, 1865. As you said, uh, it became a federal holiday in 2021. Um, under a lot of the momentum from 2020, 
uh, with all of uh, there's just so much you know discussion around then, which we we covered a lot of that in our critical race theory episode last August, and so um, I'm not going to get into that side of it, but. Uh, it is one of those things that I think, you know, we say it's kind of come into public consciousness. I think, you know, for a lot of black folks, they they knew it. They were well aware of it. Like, this was something that, that mattered to them, and now it's become nationally more relevant, more accepted, more widespread uh, in, in the last few years. And it was something I remember hearing about as a kid. I didn't know what it was. There, It was not really something that, that even showed up on all the calendars. I mean, it was... Uh, a bit of a fringe thing that it, it's not anymore. And so that that is the origin of it, 1865. It is about uh, the ending of slavery. And so it, it's kind of an Independence Day of its own uh, is, is what it's framed as sometimes. And so uh, that is that background uh, that we have on it, just, just to catch up if you're not familiar. Our nation's second Freedom Day is something that I read. Like that, That's how they frame it, is we have obviously July 4th, but that a large majority of the country was not free at that point. Which is true. And so they view this Juneteenth, June 19th, 1865, as the day that everybody was free. Um, so this gets us into this discussion. And Joe, I'm, I'll hand it to you because you, you've uh, been quiet so far. Um, what do we do with this? Because let's be honest, culture and society has kind of hijacked this this Juneteenth celebration um, on the surface, you know, should a Christian celebrate Juneteenth? Ideally, sure. Um, you know, the idea that, hey, it's 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 a part of our history, first of all. Um, it is true that there were a lot of people that were not free that became free on June 19th, 1865. Why not celebrate? We right? do that, celebrate that, Cinco de Mayo. Right. I mean, that's a that's a reason to celebrate, and that's great. Kind of. Yeah. Celebrate by eating it's it's nice food. That, that, yeah, that's, yeah. that's a little different, and, and that's another country's holiday, even. But it is. But again, it is a it is observed as a holiday. Many people get it off. It is a holiday of freedom that is not necessarily connected to July Fourth. So we could say, well, just in this country, well, we celebrate that one. So I think you're right. Ideally, you know, Juneteenth is not it's not a problem. So where then are are we coming from? I guess we could end the podcast there if that's all we were going to cover, but. I think that there are cultural connotations associated with Juneteenth that, that make this problematic, um, in our opinion. And and I'm going to list some of these, fellas. I'm going to turn it back over to you to kind of get us into these of what you think um, and to take off on some of these. But I think things like Black Lives Matter, as Jack talked about, this is coming off of 2020 and, and some of the riots and some of the things. There was a lot of issues going on in 2020 connected to George Floyd. And, and again, we've talked about some of those things, but... A, rising out of that, and it was there before, but very much Black Lives Matter came to the forefront. Um, black power. Um, we we started to see more things, in my opinion, than ever start to shift toward like the two national anthems, the, the separate national anthems that the NFL is doing and, and things like that. And so I think those are the connotations that come along with the race discussion. Juneteenth opens the door to that. On the surface, I wouldn't say Juneteenth is, is wrong to celebrate, at the same time, it's opening or, or bringing in all of these different connotations. And so, fellas, I guess I'll throw it back to you. Like, where do we want to start with this? Maybe get us into um, some of the first of those are the cultural connotations. What are your thoughts on something like, and I'll put you on the spot here, but the Black Lives Matter movement, especially as it's pertaining to race relations and such? Jack, you going or me? I, 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 think, I think the Black Lives Matter organization has been exposed as fraudulent um, pretty clearly, I think if you're somebody who um, supports the the organization, supports everything that they rally, I should say rally riot for um, 
you, you, you need to you need to do a little bit more research and, and take a look at really what all that uh, entails. So I'm not really going to talk about that because I think that's a pretty open and shut case that Christians don't really have any business supporting that movement. But what about the other side that, you know, the, the black, remember the black profile pictures um, that everybody was doing uh, right around the time of George Floyd in 2020, everybody was updating their profile picture to a black screen. And it was a lot, it was noble for a lot of people, you know, to, to support the, uh, what they viewed as the oppressed people. Um, you know, it was one of those like, Hey, let's, let's show support. That's what I want to ask you guys. Like the more so the saying of, Hey, black lives matter. Like, of course we agree that black lives matter. Um, we would agree that, that all lives matter. Um, so what, what would you guys have to say? Let, let's take the organization side out of it. The, again, the, the, company the 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 movement that has very much been exposed as fraudulent take set that aside what would you guys have to say to the black lives matter idea of blacking out your profile picture just just stuff like that um that we see a lot of christians are very vocal about that hey we should support this we should support this movement we should support that idea what would you say to that it is very much the kind of thing that is hard to talk about because we're we the royal we everybody are very bad at separating fact from emotion and so when you look at fact of you know that there is a problem there are things you know i i agree i mean some of those uh things that have happened between police and african americans and uh some of the the videos that get out and it's like yeah that's that's terrible that that is open and shut um but you saw how quickly it went off the rails. Uh, the guy in Milwaukee that the whole NBA shut down over, where Jacob Blake, I think, was yes, his name. Yes, very dangerous man. You know, he had a knife in his car, and and the woman had a restraining order against him because of how dangerous he was. And and he becomes a martyr. And oh, he was on. You know, he was wrongfully killed. And and it's kind of there's there's no breaks on this. There's it's all emotional narrative. And there's no what are the facts of the matter. And the facts of the matter is this is something that. In a nation of 300 million people, and I'm not justifying any of the ones that have happened, but this is a very small occurrence, and a lot of them have circumstances that make this way more than an open and shut case. And so, when you get into the difficulty of all these things, yeah, there, because one of the other things about it is, even when somebody is killed, you have the burden of proof of proving that it was racially motivated. And so, there's there's a lot of proofs that have been assumed when we say we've got this racial problem for which we have to protest. And so to that, when somebody you know says, well, we need to say Black Lives Matter, in a sense, it feels like the have you stopped beating your wife thing. Will you say Black Lives Matter? Like, why, why do you think I don't think that? Why do I need to say that? I don't right. need to say white lives matter, Mexican lives matter, children's lives matter, old elderly people's lives matter. They're, that's not in question. And I, I don't think anybody should be killed wrongfully. I, I think there is a time in which if a man is a, an existential threat to somebody, as a man going for a knife was, that is justice You know that, that came upon him. And so uh, these things are case by case, and they're all lumped in into one big thing. And again, like I said, I think it is very much a have you stopped beating your wife thing. And we as Christians have to do better at sorting through emotional narrative to get to fact. And not just emotional narrative. We have to do better at sorting through cultural narrative. You know what hasn't been on the forefront in the last six months? Any of this stuff. It's it's been transgender lives matter. It's been they've they've kind of moved on to something completely really different since the election. Yeah, to be honest, go since figure, the election. Right? Um, and so when when I say you have to be able to sift through the culture culture narrative, you got you have to be mindful of this is what they want you. This is what a lot of people want you to be riled up about. Case in point. 
you, you, all the the stories that make national headlines, right? The names that people recognize. Ahmaud Albury was another one. Um, what was her name? Breonna Taylor, uh, George Floyd, Trayvon Martin. Trayvon first, Martin was a big one. One of the first. And you know, all of these that get kind of held up as you know racially motivated killings. You do your research and you actually look at basically the facts of every single case. There are cases that are pretty much identical to those that happen where the only thing that's different is that the races are reversed. Those don't get any press. Zero. Vody Bauckham wrote a book called Fault Lines uh, that I highly recommend, kind of about CRT, where he pointed this stuff out. He would take these these stories that made national headlines, and he would he would cite another story that was, again, the, the races were simply reversed, and those stories, like, I, I'd never heard of these, and most people had never heard of these because they didn't make the headlines. And so we have to be... Not like Jack said with the emotional narrative, the cultural narrative as well. You ha- you have to be, don't buy into everything that, that you're reading, that you're seeing, what they're wanting you to be upset about. We have to be able to sift through that. It's an important point. And, and again, to some people, this is going to be very emotionally, like this is going to be something that angers you. Like there, there's going to be a response to this of, no, this is, this is all wrong. But Will kind of raises a question there that has to be answered. Did the protests and the, the activism and everything that happened in 2020, did it solve the problem? Because we're not being told about these things. The marches stopped, the protests stopped, the riots stopped, all of the, the names, the hashtags, the social media activism, all of those things, you know, the, the shutting down highways, everything that was happening in that, that crazy six-month span just stopped. Why did it stop? Did, did we solve the problem or did they just take the spotlight off of it? And these things are still happening, but there's no spotlight being shown on them. Because one of the other things that you see is it, there's there's just a timing to these. 2020, 2016, the, the, the years where these are hottest, hot, most hotly debated are election years. And, and if you don't believe the media does this, in 2000, they were bored and they turned the, the attention onto shark attacks. Oh, we've got shark attacks, another shark attack in Florida, another shark attack in, in California. It cost businesses on the Gulf Coast and, and all, you know, on coastal regions, I think it was estimated in the billions of dollars in lack of tourism because people were scared to death of sharks. At the end of the, or like, uh, the, the statistically, the uh, difference was negligible. Like, there were just as, it was fine. There was no difference. They just decided that's what we're going to cover. In the same sense, what Will's saying is, and my question is, did these things stop? And if so, where is the victory lap for, hey, the protesting worked and the activism worked? Or is it still happening? And, and next time they, they tell you to get mad about it, you're going to get mad about it, even though you haven't been for three or four years. So when we get into things like Black Lives Matter, going back to just the hashtag and, and not, as you Will, you're talking about, not the nonprofit or the organization, but the hashtag itself, when you said all lives matter, that was a real problem. Right. I mean, they, they said, well, that delegitimizes Black Lives Matter. And it's not about the white lives. It's not about any of the other lives. It's about the black lives right now. And that's who we need to be focusing on. And to me, I feel like in turning the spotlight toward it, that is very divisive. And we, they, they want inclusion. They want inclusion. They want inclusion. And then as soon as we start pointing out, okay, let's talk about inclusion. No, I want to exclude anybody that's not part of the Black Lives Matter. And so it's, you know, all lives matter. We can't say those things. Well, I think we can, and I think we should say those things. I understand where they're coming from, but to me it kind of points to a little bit of the hypocrisy that's going on, and it speaks to the hypocrisy of Will, which you were discussing. If if a black, if, if a African-American cop shoots a white male, a Caucasian male, 
you know, is that racially motivated? Well, no, because we just assume, okay, well, the, the white man must have been doing something that was against the law. Reverse it, and that doesn't mean that every single one of them is is accurate. And I would, there's been some that I look at and go, man, that's not good. But instead of looking at it as, wow, that, that police officer went way beyond what he should have, it's race. It must have been race. This happens all the time. It happens statistically more to whites than it does to African Americans. They don't. The media doesn't want you to know that. So it's the hypocrisy that I think is is what we really well, need to be calling. And out. and why why this is all wrapped up in this discussion is because of the, the with the Juneteenth discussion. Th- this question that you're bringing up, Joe, is it adding to the divisiveness unnecessarily? Um, you know, you I, I'm sure you guys remember in 2020. I did not enjoy getting on social media. I did not enjoy getting on Facebook because um, it was it was the COVID thing that Christians were kind of tearing each other apart over. Uh, the ra- the racism stuff seemed like that was the only thing in the headlines. Um, there was just so many. There was so, the country was so divided, um, and of, you know, of course, it's it's been that way for a while. But it just seemed like it was on the forefront more, I guess, with the, with social media and things. And so that's really why we're asking this question: is like, are is celebrating things like Juneteenth? Um, is separate national anthems, which I'm going to come down and say I, I don't think under any circumstances we should have two separate national anthems. I've heard people argue, okay, well, the original national anthem has a racist second verse. Okay, then let's 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 compromise and, and come together on a different national anthem. You know, having two separate ones to me is, is ridiculous. Um, we, we don't need to be divided. And, and obviously, I feel like that's – with where we are, we are going to be divided for a while just because that's what culture pushes it, and it's, it's – it's unfortunate, but why we're again why we're asking this and why this is we're being we're bringing this up in the discussion is because of the question: Should a Christian celebrate Juneteenth? By me celebrating Juneteenth, am I adding to the divisiveness? Am I adding to the uh, all this stuff that that we brought up that just gets people emotionally triggered? So should we just kind of leave it alone? Um, I don't know if we again th- that's kind of where we want to end the discussion. So I don't know if we want to get into that right now, but all this stuff gets tied in because. I mean, you guys remember just the vitriol that was spewed all across social media when this stuff was going on. It was not an enjoyable time to to be on Facebook or anything like that. And I don't know. I, I think it's very, very difficult. The, Go ahead. This I was going to say the social pressure was the problem that I think, yeah. once again, you're looking at as you're talking, it was the social pressure to kind of bow down to the movement, to bow down to these things, to post the, the you know blacked out profile picture and to post Black Lives Matter in... It was the social pressure that, again, anytime a white person looked to say something, well, you can't possibly know. And so you're cutting full portions of society out to make room for this, you know, for a part of society that has been downtrodden. No doubt. No doubt they have been through a lot in some ways. I'm not like, I'm not looking to discount other people, but you know who else went through a whole lot in a lot of ways? There's been some of the Indian Americans, the the Native Americans, the... um, I even think some of the Irish and, and, and the way that they were discriminated against going back to New York. I mean, they had parts of town, the Jewish people that had come over. There were parts of town where they couldn't go. Um, they had to start their own places. The Chinese Americans that had come over, and that's how they have Chinatown and things like that, is they, they formed their own culture within these cities because they were oppressed. Oppression is a part of society and a part of society figuring things out. What I don't think helps societies figure things out is to shut down any discussion from any dissenting opinion and to cater all to one side. What I, The reason why I think All Lives Matter is important is because it caters to everybody's point of, point of view and everybody's part of the discussion 
because there are multiple races that America represents. We're the great melting pot of the world. That's what makes us great. So why would we cut off entire portions of people's ability to speak? Because, well, you can't understand this experience. Yeah, but you can't understand theirs. You can't understand what Irish Americans, Irish immigrants went through. You can't understand what some of the people from Ellis Island went through. You say, well, how's that worse than slavery? I'm not trying to compare the social woes and, and, and the, the horrible things that have happened in the past and, and the problems and the suffering. I'm not trying to say one's better or the worse. I'm trying to say many people have suffered. We don't want to take voices away and, and elevate one as, well, I've suffered the most. Okay. That's, that doesn't mean other people That's haven't. the critical theory thing that Jack has brought up multiple times and the critical, right. again, obviously critical race theory aspect that we discussed last Intersectionality year. Intersectionality. Well, yeah, and the oppression thing because the other issue with that is it's not striving to bring everybody together. It's striving to flip things around. And so it's not, I, I just want to be right there with you. And and it's kind of the Mott and Bailey fallacy of that's what it's presented as is equality, but it's really not. Because, you know, there are special privileges advocated for and special, like, recognition that is not universally, like, we want to reverse the order. Well, no, we don't reverse the order. And, you know, about the two national anthems thing, there are more Hispanic Latino people in America than there are African American. I mean, like, you look at the demographics, it's white, Hispanic, Latino, African American, uh, and then it breaks down into different, you know, Asian and, uh, you know, where people are from. How many national anthems do we need? I mean, can we have a third? Can we have a fourth? I mean, like how, how we're going to be standing for the like 30 minutes before the football game at a certain point if we keep this up. And so to the, the question of Juneteenth, I absolutely and this is my point about the are we trying to come together or trying to flip things around? I think it should be celebrated that we ended slavery, like that that, uh, that we as a country don't have that anymore. That should be on our holidays as we look back in the past and go, man, we as a nation outgrew that. The problem is if it is held up as, well, we get our day and you get yours, that, that doesn't really work out as a country. You, you can't come together as a country. You can't persist together. I mean, this is scriptural advice, you know, of can, can two go together if they're not in agreement. And if we're living our parallel but opposite lives of, you know, you've got your community over here and you've got your holidays and we've got ours and, and we don't cross and you don't celebrate ours and we don't celebrate yours... And, and you have your national anthem and, and you, you're going to take a knee during one and stand up for the other. And it's not going to be vice versa, because, again, this isn't about equality. Uh, you know, like this is this is not a, this is not a long term solution unless your long term solution is we win, you lose. Neither side should be approaching this with we win, you lose. It should be how do we live together and how we live together is not. You know, and I this kind of comes into parenting sometimes, right? Of oh, well, my kids, they both want the same toy, and they're fighting over it, and we got a problem. I'll just buy them both their own toy. I'll buy, you know, I'll make sure they each have their own, so there's never any. No, you learn to share. You learn to get along. You learn to work through these things. And so we should celebrate the ending of slavery. We should celebrate the day Roe v. Wade was overturned. We should, ce we should celebrate a lot more of the things that we've done well because it reminds us of the bad things that we've done, which is a big part of this whole thing of like pointing back constantly to the ugliness of this country and never giving credit that we've come a long way, right? And so we should celebrate that we've come out of slavery. We should celebrate that we ended abortion. We should celebrate, uh, you know, some of the things that we used to do and don't anymore as a positive step forward. And we should do that together, not make it, okay, you have your holiday and enjoy and, and we'll, we'll, you know, kind of clap while you celebrate. That, that doesn't work that way for unity's sake. Well, and is it ever enough? Right, where is it ever enough? How much do we give in, in terms of equality until, like you said, Jack, the, the script is flipped? And what we see is, you see that man in Florida that was advocating for, for every African-American in the country, I think, to get, 
I want to say $32 million, I think is what it was in reparations. Um, and so he was, he was speaking in what front of racist. I, I would give him 33 million. <laughs> wow. Where does it stop? That's what I'm saying. Where does it stop? Like at what point have we reached the, you know, okay, now we've kind of passed it. Now we've given enough. There never is that, that given enough. And it's because again, we're not looking for equality. We're not looking for inclusion. We're not looking for all the things that they say that, that they're trying to fix. If that were the case, then they could say, if this were done, then we would, you know, that that would make it right. We're also talking about something. Looking back, people may get very upset at this. Nobody is alive today that remembers slavery. Now, you could talk about Jim Crow laws. You could talk about a lot of things where people were alive, and, and there's some racism there. Nobody's alive during slavery, so we talk about, yeah, but that was my you know, that was the ancestor that did it. Look, a lot of our ancestors had a lot of things in our past that, that probably wasn't good. Have you seen Appalachia? Have you seen what they've done in Appalachia and some of the people and what they've been through? Reparations doesn't solve very much because it's still continuing the divisive problem. So all of this, to, to kind of sum up this point, it's all rooted in divisiveness. The and, and the way we know this is, can we take the exact opposite? You have Black History Month in February. Where's White History Month? You have specific days or specific things that are black business, black owned businesses. Could you imagine in the NBA finals watching a TV or watching a commercial that advocates for white owned businesses the way that you did see for black owned businesses? Amazon pushing white owned businesses. You don't see it. So if, if we're talking about inclusion, if we're talking about equality, if we're talking about coming together and, and being one as a nation, that's not what we're talking about, right? Otherwise, you'd start seeing those things. And I think we need to start calling that out where we see it. I think that's really what this comes from is, you know, again, the Juneteenth, a great celebration that we did end slavery. That is fantastic. But to what end are we doing all of these things? Is it to really make reparations? Is it? And, and once we do, then what? We all live together. We all get along. I don't see that being the case because the more that you silence one faction of the country, specifically one that has like 70% plus of the people, and you silence that, that doesn't sit well with a lot of people. You say, well, you've had your day. White men founded the country. I'm sorry. Like, it, it's it, white men founded America. Therefore, yes, white men have had their say. White, whatever you can say, well, now it's time to sit down. Name another country where that works. Name another country where a small minority comes in and they tell the Chinese, you know, the Chinese government, hey, well, we need, you know, the those that are of a, a smaller subsection going into a much larger country and demanding these things. Every country would would say, absolutely not. We're proud of our heritage and where we came from. It's just in America that we can't do that. So I know this sounds like it's it's three white guys going off on things and getting frustrated, but I think it really comes around to we're trying to point out some of the logical fallacies of we're all for inclusion. We're all for coming together and making sure that we're you know equal in this. We don't believe we're above anybody else. It's how we go about it that makes a difference. Well, and this is this is highlighted, and we're about to get into some biblical principles here. But um, I think it, I don't I don't want to quote who it was because I don't remember. But you know, Robin D'Angelo is the one who wrote White Fragility, and I, I don't know if it was her that said it. Maybe one of you guys can correct me if if it's not her. It probably wasn't. Um, but the whole idea that it's not enough just to not be racist. What do you have to be? Anti-racist is is was their big claim. Basically, the idea that you can't say what Joe is saying, which is Let's all come together and just kind of move on past it. No, no, no. You have to to vocally speak. You've got to change your profile picture. You've got to to celebrate the two national anthems. You've got to... And silence is violence. Right. 
Um, I want us to bring some biblical principles into this, uh, the, into this question of how should a Christian view the concept of race. I don't think we need to, you know, have much discussion on the fact that obviously a Christian should not be racist. I, I, obviously, I think we, everybody agrees that that is something that is anti-biblical, and we can quibble over what exactly being a racist means. Um, Galatians three twenty eight is commonly quoted um, to kind of by the egalitarians about women's roles and how men are equal to women because it's it's the verse there's neither Jew nor Greek there's neither slave nor free neither male nor female for you are you are all one in Christ Jesus and people will use that and mischaracterize it to say men and women should basically have the same roles uh, when it comes to the church but you read the New Testament what what is present throughout basically all of it there's this Jew Gentile dynamic right because these were two quote unquote races so to speak two groups of people that for the majority of I guess for all of the Old Testament and then for a lot of the New Testament what were they 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 were very they were opposed to each other they didn't like each other they were they were they were very different and we see examples like um where where this is something that Peter w- was victim of this right Peter w- would treat Jews differently than he treated Gentiles after after they you know obeyed the gospel and when he shouldn't have done that anymore he was still doing that and so I think these are examples that we see in the New Testament of this idea of maybe treating somebody different based on external appearances. That's never okay. We get that in James. We get that in, obviously, uh, Galatians 3, as I'm talking about. Uh, Jesus in John 4, well, you know, Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus didn't care. Jesus talked to the Samaritan woman, right? And so obviously I think these are biblical principles in the sense that we shouldn't judge anybody based off of their appearance or look down on them simply because of the color of their skin. I'm assuming, you know, I don't think anybody listening to this would, would disagree with that. But where we have to get into is to what point are we, again, kind of celebrating the divisiveness? Anything you guys would have to add to the, I guess, the, the scriptures that we have and how should a Christian view this concept? I think defining the racist thing, as, as you kind of did there, is so important because we're at this point, and I mean, you you can google news articles where almost everything has been labeled racist or white supremacist math is racist and um you know growing up with parents is racist and i mean like and it's one of these things where it shows how much racial animosity they're projecting like how much they carry with them that they they see these things this way and so not everything that is claimed as racist is racist as you say, preferential treatment, disliking somebody because of the color of their skin, that's racism. That That is wrong. Uh, all the things that are, are labeled racism today, no. And, and so, like, make sure you're sticking to that definition on God's terms of, of not treating people differently. And so those are biblical principles. I do think it's it's weird, interesting, worth wrestling with where Paul says in Romans 9 my that, that I would give my own soul for my sin, my kinsmen according to the flesh. For the Jewish brothers, he does not say that about the Gentile brethren, and so there is a a national. You know, we very much as Christians do that. Well, we're we're not of this world. We're not really Americans. We we're not to be patriotic. We're not to have national identity or loyalty or anything else. Paul did, and and one of the things that the Bible emphasizes in the prophets and Revelation is the nations will come streaming to the the mountain of the house of the Lord, and you know, people from every tribe and nation and tongue. And so, like, it is a reality that you are certain things. And and accepting that is okay, but that doesn't make you better or worse than anybody else. 
that doesn't make you, uh, you know, that doesn't give you a right to, to look down on somebody else, to treat somebody else like garbage because because they're not. And so that is a reality that's out there it, it, because we run to the other side sometimes of, well, none of this exists. And that was one of the big debates of the last few years. Are, are we supposed to be colorblind? And, you know, you're supposed to be yes and no. You're supposed to be colorblind in that I will treat you the same regardless of you know, all of these factors, you're not supposed to be colorblind in the fact of we are different and that's okay. And, and that's, we come from different places and that's okay. Um, and, and we belong to certain groups and tribes. We, we're not, we're not, you know, totally detached from this earth and, and who we're born into it. Your family name, I mean, is, says so much about you. Go ahead. I was just saying, just like the male female thing, right? Like, yeah, just because we're equal in, in God's sight and in God's eyes when it comes to salvation, to pretend like you know we are the same person and we just sh- we should be gender blind, right? Nobody says that. Um, and so I, to be, I gotta be honest. I think that gets us into this this question that I kind of already preview. We've already hit on it a little bit. What what should our attitude be? Should we be colorblind? I mean, there's a lot of people that that is going to be their answer. Don't see, don't I, you know? I don't see race. Morgan Freeman again. We'll just stop talking about it. Don't even acknowledge it. Versus the side of what you were just talking about. No, we are different. Highlight the differences. Celebrate the differences. Um, or maybe I shouldn't say highlight. Acknowledge the differences. Don't hide from them. Don't bury them, right? Um, that's that's really what we want to get to here. So where do you guys fall on that? I, As somebody, when I first saw that Morgan Freeman quote, or I guess it was a video that I saw, goodness, five, six years ago, whenever, I was like, oh, man, that's that's a really good take. I completely agree with that. My thinking shifted a little bit, but I want to I want to get to I want to open it up to you guys first. Where, where, where do we fall? Concrete on examples, so people know what we're talking about. I've I've known black Christians who have you know put in work for the NAACP, which is the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People. You know, obviously it was named that long back in the day, uh, but that you know is is about or the United Negro College Fund, another old institution, but that that works for the advancement of black people and and they talk about black excellence and, and lifting up our community and all that and and they're involved in in young kids and and the fatherless and things like that, trying to encourage education and careers and achievement and and family positive things, but the question is. What if there was a, you know, what if people like, you know, you and I started working on, okay, I'm going to go out and try and help white kids go to college. I'm going to try and make sure white kids have, have solid careers. I'm going to dedicate specifically to white kids at the exclusion of, of people of other races, not Hispanic kids, not black kids. This is for the white kids. I'm going to like really donate to and, and put time and money into white colleges and, and white schools and white uh, you know, efforts and, and just things that are going to help white people get ahead and, or, or not get ahead, but, you know, succeed in life. And I think to a lot of people, that's very jarring. Joe brought up earlier the, the black-owned businesses thing that you can search and, and there's labels that get put on stuff, black-owned business. Should a Christian shop at white-owned business? And I, I think the point we're getting at here is your answer has to be one or the other, that white people should not do that, nor should black people, or... It's okay for black folks to do it, so it's okay for everybody else to do it as well. For Hispanics to, to work to the, the good of the Hispanic community, for whites to work to the good of, of other white folks, and, and all of these other things. And people can run in with the, well, white folks are already doing fine, they don't need help. That's not the point. The question is, do you have license to preferentially push for and, and help 
people who look like you, people you know who who have similar roots to you, whatever it may be, the same skin color as you. Yes or no? This can't be a double standard, but it has been a double standard up to this point. So I guess the question, you know, to reiterate what Will's saying is, do we go the Morgan Freeman route and say no? We should indiscriminately just whoever it is, we're going to help young kids get ahead and succeed, or is it okay to prioritize your quote unquote community? And so. Yeah, just to give more concrete so people know what we're talking about as we go into this. Well, that, I don't want to have to be the first one to speak after that. Um, you got it, Joe. That's All because, you. yeah, I mean, I think, again, going back to what Paul did, I think it's okay to look at the differences. It's okay to, and you know, to, to support one another and to support your brethren, whether that be white, black, whatever it may be. I also don't believe that you should boycott the other, you know, a black person's business because you're white or vice versa. Um, I think if, hey, you're going down the street and, and, but more than anything, I think what you'll find is people are, they care less about race than they do about friendships. So if you have two guys, let's say you have, you know, Will and Jack, and let's say Will was an African American and I just happen to have a good relationship with him, then I'm probably going to shop at Will's store because the relationship matters to me more than the whiteness of my skin even though Jack is white. So I think those things are really going to make more of a difference. But to your point, Jack, if we're just sticking strictly to it, I think that's, you know, I, I don't think it's wrong to necessarily support and, as you said, celebrate the differences. Um, one of my biggest issues is cultural appropriation because I think that is a way for people to celebrate the differences, to celebrate that, hey, you know, this is this is part of our culture, and I think that's really cool, and other people should be able to honor that culture. Whoa, whoa, that's cultural preparation. You can't use it. No, but I'm taking the best parts, the festive parts, the celebratory parts, and I'm saying that's really cool. Let's let's lift that up. Um, and they're shutting all of that down, and I think that kind of cuts that's across. An English it. language term. What's that? cultural appropriation? It's an English language term. You're culturally appropriating. I thought he was making a joke term. or something. I'm not making a joke. <laughs> oh, it's yeah, like, yeah. What do you mean cultural appropriation? You're using a language that white guys 700 years right. ago to right. describe something. Like, if we all have to stick to our own stuff, you don't get to do that. Like, it, it again, it goes to the whole double standard thing. If this can go one way but not the other, sh- which direction should it go? Like, should it be going both ways or should it not at all? And so, well, and uh, go ahead, Will. I was just going to say, I, th- I think the other distinction that, that needs to be made here as well, talking about the black-owned businesses thing, is they might not say this, but a lot of pe- a lot of the, the people that would say, well, I only want to shop at the, the black-owned businesses or whatever, are wishing detriment to the white-owned business. They're, like, they're doing it for the purpose of, well, we need to... It's not just to well, let's lift our our other brethren up. It's let's let's punish these these white guys, right? And, and the white businesses. And that's again, a lot of people. That's not everybody. That's a, that's a that's a general statement. I understand that, but especially you look at culture and society. That's the goal is to quote unquote punish the 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 ones that already have the privilege. And so, I don't necessarily disagree with Joe in the sense that theoretically we should be able to celebrate our brethren and our countrymen. But it's got to go both ways. It's got to be able to, uh, again, not to the detriment of, of anybody else, but to say, hey, I've got a good relationship with this person. You know, they're they are a part of of our. But but here's the here's the question I want to bring up though. In the church, shouldn't all those things be erased? Shouldn't shouldn't me? And I know y'all already brought up Paul and then what he said in Romans chapter nine. But theoretically, I I don't know. As I'm thinking through it. You should have you should see a kind of erasure of 
the black versus the white as far as, I mean, we're all brothers and sisters in Christ. My family, my relatives are not just the people that are the color of my own skin. They are those who, who have obeyed the gospel. Like how many of you guys are, if you have a, a buddy who is a faithful Christian that owns a business, you're going to go support him, right? Or, or her, I guess, regardless of, of the color of their skin. Go ahead. Well, and to that point, I would say race is, is very much the broad reaching thing. To get back to your point about the church, about my point with friends, look, if I know there's a white bluff business, because I'm from white bluff, Tennessee, you know, that's where I live. I'm from Denver, but you know, I live in white bluff, Tennessee. If I'm going into Nashville and I know there's there's a guy from White Bluff that is, you know, at this convention or whatever, or let's say he's at, uh, you know, Farmer's Market, I'm going to go hit him up. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to go buy from him because it's like that's that's White Bluff pride, right? Like I'm, I'm proud to be from White Bluff. I'm glad he's doing well. I want to make sure his business is supported. Nobody would have a problem with that. I don't think and, – and so I think the race is very much on the broad reaching. When you start breaking it down, in my opinion, and I think the church is very much where you see this the most – race does start to matter less. It does start to be something that, I, personally, I couldn't care less about shopping at a white or a black-owned business. Uh, whatever's going to give me the best product, or, again, if I know the person, uh, to to be consistent, the reason why I say the white-owned, I think it's to be consistent, you can help out, but I think people are less concerned about the race, they're more concerned about their immediate circumstances. I absolutely will support somebody from white bluff, whether they're white or black, just because I'm proud of I'm proud of that city or of that little town, right? And same for the church, not to cut you off, Will, but again, I think it goes same for the church. Like, I'm part of an organization, I'm part of a family that doesn't see that, like, that doesn't matter. It doesn't mean it's a race, the same way you didn't erase Jews and Gentiles. They still did things differently. That's half of what Romans is about. But that's okay. We're all one in Christ. We're all supporting each other. And so the race stops being the the line of support. Right. Jack, what Yeah, I mean, to your point about not... It, it's not a race. It's still there, but but you work through it. I, I'm going to go even a little further with your illustration about White Bluff or whatever. We're from Denver. If I see a guy out here with a Denver Bronco shirt a thousand miles away, and you talk to him, and man, he's from Denver. It's not only that we like the same football team. I can I'm, I can rattle off a series of of inside jokes we would have together about man people with their Subarus you know, with the bike rack that costs more than the Subaru itself, and you know King Supers donuts and just local stuff you know that. Uh, that, that, that means stuff to us that we have in common that I, I don't know the guy that I shouldn't have a, a you know, if, if you're doing this whole, like, we're all blank slates, we don't have loyalty to people, we do. And and so I'm going to be drawn to him more, and we're going to have those things in common. And and honestly, the black community has this way more than the white community. I mean, they've got, they, they call each other brothers, you know, whether Christian or not, that that's, you know, something that, that's there. And with the, the auntie and uncle thing, these are cultural things that you pick up on. And it's like, we don't do that. And, and so they have that camaraderie and that connection and ways of growing up, you know, ways they were raised versus ways other people were raised that, that they, they can just bond over. In the same way I can bond with a guy from Denver. And, and so when they bring that together, they're going to click ahead of, of other people. And then when they're around white Christians, it's kind of like, like I said, I've picked up on this from being around them. Uh, we had a buddy back uh, in preaching school. Uh, shout out to Q. I'm sure he doesn't listen. I got to see him last year. Uh, surprised me out of nowhere. Showed up somewhere I was speaking. And uh, so good to see him. Hadn't talked to him in years. But uh, a black brother. And man, the the racial differences between us were very clear. But it was it was kind of a fun thing. Like we acknowledged that we knew when we come we're a little bit different culturally, a little bit different references and, and point of reference growing up. And so that was a point that brought us together. 
was even teasing each other about certain things in, in both directions and and you know just a, a cool dude and, and he was like that with a lot of guys there a lot of us white folks he was you know in the minority there and and so that is that that erasure of barriers thing you're talking about of like you know and a lot of times with a black Christian, the next time they see another black Christian, they're going to have things in common with them that they don't with me, but we can all be cool together. We can all work through those things, but you do, we don't have to pretend nature doesn't exist. You don't have to pretend that you don't have things in common with somebody that you do. And, and that those things are uh, uh, things that endear you to each other because man, commonality is the beginning of friendship, right? Uh, commonality is, is that part where you look at somebody and go, Hey, we share something and and you build on that and so that is there that is real you don't deny that but as you're saying the gospel makes it to where you don't have to have the commonality to come together because you love each other even without the commonality and so it, it's a good but it's also not something we should pretend doesn't exist either that, that we can just because we can love each other and grow through it and, and build stronger bonds in the world ever could doesn't mean there's not preference there's not natural things and so you know i like you said, I don't. I wouldn't go out of the way to shop for something that said white-owned business. But again, if if there was a guy who ran a restaurant from here from Denver, I would go there more. You know, I like it. I would connect with him. I'd have something there. And so that that's not the same thing, but it's a very similar thing. Sure, sure. I think that's very well said, and on, and honestly sums up kind of that discussion pretty well. And so, yeah, I mean, let's bring it back around to the Juneteenth thing. I personally have never had a Juneteenth barbecue or, or whatever it is that, that people do for, you know, I've not celebrated Juneteenth. And so with the question of should a Christian celebrate it, I think should's the wrong word. I think, you know, can might be a, a bit of a, a better word there. Um, and Jack kind of already said this. I, I think it would be good to celebrate it as part of our history because it is a, it is a very important part of our history. Uh, it's a very important part of, of our nation. Again, the, the freedom that everybody now enjoys I think where you get into problems is when you take it beyond a family celebration or just kind of recognizing it. I mean, there there are holidays that a lot of people choose not to celebrate uh, for one reason or another, and I don't think you can look down on anybody for choosing not to celebrate a holiday. Um, I think everybody needs to take inventory of by celebrating this, by what I do on social media, by my conversations, am I contributing to the divisiveness? And I think that's the ultimate question that you need to to ask yourself. Um, but I think you can celebrate this particular holiday without doing that. Um, what do you guys have to say, I guess, to this kind of wrap-up question that ties it back to today, June 19th? I would agree. I mean, I think it's it points to an important part of our history for that reason. There's a lot of things that point to an important part of our history that I think is perfectly fine. Memorial Day, obviously July 4th, um, even Labor Day. I mean, there's history behind every single one of these things. And there's history behind this one, no doubt. This was this was used, we used this to spark, not to say we shouldn't celebrate June, uh, Juneteenth. We used this to spark the greater discussion of let's use this as an opportunity to really springboard into becoming more close-knit as a nation and to stop looking so much at, you know, ways we can be divisive or ways that... You know, there's there's the oppressed versus the the not oppressed. Okay, maybe that's maybe that's there, but the way we get out of it is not by flipping the script. The way we get out of it is by working toward these things. And I think the start of that is by recognizing we have been working toward these things, and we're one of the most progressive nations in the planet when it comes to race. We have to realize that. People that that say that we're a racist country have never been outside the country. I have been fortunate, I guess, on the last podcast to travel a lot. 
and I've been to multiple different continents, and in every single one of them, I would say race is nearly on almost all of them, more of a struggle than it is in America um, in terms of true racism. And I think we have to be able to admit that as well, that we are on our way to really working on this and to fixing this and, and to being more um, equal and, and to being more close-knit as a country. And that's what we're all looking for, and especially in the church, that's what we're praying for as well. Yeah, that is the question. Are are we trying to become Americans together in in these social things and Christians together, or are we really trying to keep ourselves divided into silos? And and so how you use a holiday like this is kind of like, well, you got yours, and now we get ours. This is all of our history, and it, it's it's a bad part of our history. It's you know it was an unfortunate thing they had to go through. It was a terrible thing, all of that. But we now you come out of it a we. The the point was the fight to be included, to, to become part of the family, to be full-fledged Americans, not to be white Americans and black Americans. And, and so that I, I'm not trying to contradict what we said about being colorblind, but as a nation, this is all of our history, and we learn to exist together. And so I'll celebrate yours, you celebrate mine, we'll all celebrate, you know, it, it's a shared history, even if there are things that, that separate us along different lines that, you know, that are, that are naturally there that we're not denying. And so, yeah, I, I don't think it's healthy to live out separate histories and, and separate timelines and separate goals and, and all of those things. And so uh, that, that's that's not how a nation works. That's how a nation falls apart. I mean, united we stand, divided we fall, all of those things. Uh, and, and the scriptural principles here of coming together. And the nation is not Christian. It's not the church. But still, these are biblical principles for unity and how to get along with people. And, and separating ourselves intentionally is not ever a path to unity. So uh, that would be my take as well. Yeah. Pay attention. Like it's a positive thing. Let's not make it something it's not. Let's not make it a, a political tool. I think more than anything. Yeah, yeah. Great summarization. Um, I think we are going to wrap right there. We don't have much else to add to that. Um, as always, we welcome the feedback. Any any comments that anybody wants to to leave? Facebook, YouTube, whatever. Um, we have we have gotten our fair share of uh, not pleasant ones, and so we say it every time. We're going to reiterate it. Uh, keep it civil. Uh, we want these discussions to be open. We want them to be honest, and we want them. We want you to think deeper, as as Jack brilliantly stated uh, in his monologue to start the episode. That's what all this is about. And so, as always, we appreciate you listening, guys. Anything else to add before we wrap up this this week's episode? If not, we will conclude right there. We we thank you for listening, and we'll be back next week with another episode. Mm-hmm.